So in case you weren't uh, awake at 5.30 this morning, um, Australia didn't win their World Cup match against Argentina. So spoiler alert, if you recorded it and planning to go home and watch it, we're out of the World Cup. Um, which for some of you will be, I don't care at all, but for lots of Australians, it's kind of like, oh, that's a sad thing. Which is sort of funny because only three days ago, uh, in the middle of the night on Thursday morning, and I don't know if you've seen this, but there was crazy euphoria across the country when the Socceroos beat Denmark. Have you seen those scenes? Um, they played the game live on a big screen in Fed Square in Melbourne. And when Matthew Leckie scored that goal, people just went bananas. Like there were flares being let off and it was just crazy. People would like just totally totally overcome with the joy and enthusiasm that we won that game. And now three days later, we didn't win the game and everyone's sad and dejected, right? <laughs> and I know it's only soccer. I know it's only soccer, but many of us kind of live lives like that, don't we? Like if things are going well, we're all happy and filled with joy. But then if things go bad, we get all down and we get all sad and we get all uh, depressed. Our life is like an emotional roller coaster where the circumstances of our life are the track. Our life's an emotional roller coaster where the circumstances of our life are like the track. When the circumstances go up, the roller coaster goes up. When the circumstances go down, uh, our emotions go down. And we just live like that, you know, up and down, up and down, depending on what's happening around us. Another piece of news this morning is that Christmas is coming. Um, I don't want to shock anyone, <laughs> but if you've been to a store of any kind recently, you'll know that Christmas is coming. Um, the shops are completely overcome with decorations and Christmas this and Christmas that. Trees are going up into homes. I went for a ride on my bike yesterday. I rode past the Christmas tree farm and there was a car waiting at the gate at 7.45 in the morning. Uh, they weren't even opened, but the guy was waiting there to get, his, to get his Christmas tree early in the morning. People are planning their Christmas holidays um, for the organised people. Well, actually, the really organised people have already bought their gifts. The organised people are buying their gifts and there's a small group of us who are like, gifts? Oh, there's weeks to go yet. You know, I, we don't have to start thinking about that now. I went to school with a guy who used to deliberately do all of his Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve in that whole midnight thing, you know, when the shops are open. He said he used to just love the adrenaline rush of going in there and just having like five hours to buy everything, like at 12 till like five in the morning. He said, yeah, ain't right. <laughs> there are people like that. There are more people like you. And hidden, almost hidden in all of those Christmas preparations and this and that is the person of Jesus. You know, the whole Jesus is the reason for the season thing. And the, the reality is that, at least in Australia, most people, not everyone, but most people still have some idea that there's a religious meaning behind Christmas. Not everyone. But, but most people have, have some sense, some idea that there's some Christian thing, there's some Jesus thing behind Christmas. It's not that they don't know, it's just that so what? 
I mean, like, so Christmas is Jesus' birthday, so what? I mean, some people have birthday parties, some people don't. Eh, if Jesus has a birthday party or not, what's it to me? What's so important? Why does it matter? What's the point? Why does the spiritual meaning of Christmas, why does the religious background of Christmas mean anything to me? I mean, here am I, you know, living my life, doing my thing. It was 2,000 years ago, guys. Why does it matter to me? So we're starting a series, a four-part series that will take us up to and include Christmas that we're calling Here Comes. Here Comes. And we're going to look specifically at this question, really just at this question, and ask ourselves, what does it mean What does it mean to see Jesus as the centre of Christmas? What is Jesus supposed to mean for us at Christmas? What does what happened 2,000 years ago, how does that affect me and my life, living my life today? So let's go straight to the story. If you've got a Bible, got your phone, we are in Luke chapter 2. Uh, About two-thirds of the way through your Bible, you get the four guys' names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke's the third one. And we're in Luke chapter 2, which is right at the beginning. Luke sat down to write a biography of the life of Jesus about 50 years after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Luke says himself in Luke chapter 1, right at the beginning, he says that he carefully investigated everything from the beginning. This is a researched story. Luke wasn't one of Jesus' uh, 12 disciples. He was, as best as we know, Luke never actually met uh, the Jesus, the, the, the pre-resurrected Jesus. But he does a whole bunch of research. I imagine it kind of interviews and asking people and, 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 and sort of put together the life of Jesus into a biography that we've got. It's in our Bibles in the book of Luke. This is the story he discovered. I'm reading from verse 1, Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. Caesar Augustus was the Roman Empire, like the king of the whole world. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman Empire. This was the first sentence that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. This is Luke giving you really specific time and date. It's his way of saying, you can fact check me. right? I did the research. I know this story. I can even tell you exactly when it happened. Verse 3. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He had to go back to like his hometown, you know, where his family was from. So he makes the trek. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her, uh, to, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and she placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news 
that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, I know if you've grown up in church, uh, this story is going to be a bit like, yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. Right? It's kind of the story. You know, little kids put tea towels on their head, uh, you know, act out the story. We all know this. It's a... But if you try and actually, if you try and just sort of read this for what it is, this is a crazy story, isn't it? Mary is a teenager, a, a nine-month pregnant teenager, and she is trekking. She is trekking across the countryside on foot or on a donkey. I don't know which is more uncomfortable when you're nine months pregnant. <laughs> they arrive where there's going. They've got no accommodation. They couldn't Airbnb before they got there. She has the baby like in a shed because they couldn't even find a room. So she has the baby uh, like in someone's shed. And then angels appear to a bunch of random shepherds who are nearby. Why? <laughs> there's a lot happening here, isn't there? There's all, there's all sorts of questions. At least for me, there's all sorts of questions I want to ask. Why did this... Like, why, what's this detail about in the story? But it's the message of the angels that I find most interesting. Verse 10. Do not be afraid... I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Right from the very beginning, Luke tells us that Jesus' birth was good news that will cause great joy for all people. In other words, he's saying to his readers, when you hear the story of Jesus being born, it should be good news that brings you great joy. Matthew Leckie scoring against Denmark kind of joy, right? I wonder what gives you great joy at Christmas. I wonder what gives you joy and gets you excited about Christmas. Because like we said, many, for many of us, our level of joy is linked to our circumstances. When things are going well, we experience joy. When things are going not so well, we experience less joy and more sadness in our lives. And let's be honest, that's why Christmas is a good time for most people. For lots of people anyway, isn't it? Because good things happen at Christmas. The family gets together. That's good. We get time off work. That's really good. We get presents. They're good. Christmas food, generally pretty good. Christmas carols, yeah, they're good. Boxing Day test match. It just gets better and better Christmas, doesn't it? And I hear someone go, hmm, because except if we're honest, it's not always that good, is it? And for some people, the family getting together is not really the high point, is it? Family management and stress and who's going where. 
Some families won't be together at Christmas. I did a funeral this week, the second funeral I've done in three weeks for the same family. Three weeks ago, we said goodbye to the mother. This week, we said goodbye to her son. What do you think Christmas is going to be like for that family? And sometimes presents aren't all they're cracked up to be, are they? Food and the carols, they're generally okay. There are some people who don't care about cricket. I know you're sitting in the front row. <laughs> and so there are times, there are some of us, don't shake your head, it's, you know. It's, <laughs> So there are times and there are some of us where we do the whole Christmas thing and we kind of pretend like we like it and we pretend like it's a highlight. But I bet you know someone who will just be glad when Christmas is over. The whole thing's really a bit painful or a bit empty or a bit awkward. And if that's you at all, even, even a little bit, you can read Luke's words and you think, was Luke just being optimistic when he said this? You know, this season will be a time of a good news that brings great joy to all. Was he just being optimistic? I mean, it's, I guess it's fine for the angels. You know, life's probably pretty good if you're an angel, but like I live in the real world down here. <laughs> Unless... Unless Luke was talking about something quite different. Unless he had a very different idea of joy. I mean, what if? What if Luke wasn't talking about a kind of joy that was linked to the quality of our family get-together? To the amount of presents we got, to how good the music and the food was and how awesome our holiday was. Around the same time that Luke wrote his biography of Jesus' life, Peter writes a letter to a church that was doing it really tough. Peter wasn't there at the birth, but Peter met the grown-up Jesus. He heard him talk and teach. He watched him live and he watched him die. And he met him after he was raised to life again. Peter ate breakfast with the resurrected Jesus. He touched him and spoke with him and, 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 and saw him and knew him after the resurrection. And years later, almost a generation later, as an, as an older guy, he writes a letter to a church a long way away that's doing it really tough. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. This is what he writes. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God, he's saying. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for us in heaven. 
He's saying, praise God because God's given us a new life, given us new hope and a new life through Jesus and through his resurrection. And on top of that, he's given us eternal life. That's what he means by life that can never spoil or perish or fade a life in heaven. He's given us eternal life beyond this one. Verse 6, in all of this, this is what what he's talking about, in all of this, you rejoice, you greatly rejoice. Though for now, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. There's that word again. I know you can't see him, but you believe in him and you love him and that fills you with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving, already you are receiving the end result of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Peter writes about an inexpressible and glorious joy that isn't linked to our circumstances. It's got nothing to do. He says, in fact, you're experiencing this even though for a little while, and that means he means like in this life, even though now you're experiencing trials and you're suffering, even though now things aren't going well, you are experiencing an inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? Because you know that when Jesus died, you were given a new life and a new hope and an eternal life that lasts forever. This is the joy that I think the angels were talking about. This is the joy that comes to us at Christmas. This real joy of Christmas has nothing to do with how good the music is and the food is and how well the family get along. It's got everything to do with the life that Jesus offers us. We don't sing joy to the world because I got a bunch of presents. We don't, we don't sing joy to the world because my family time was awesome and you know my cousins didn't fight. We don't sing joy to the world because I've got a week off work. We don't sing joy to the world because I'm really looking for that holiday. You know, we're going away this Christmas. It's going to be awesome. We don't sing joy to the world because everyone's healthy this year. That's going to be really good. We sing joy to the world because a saviour has been born. We sing joy to the world because Christmas announces that God has done something about the sin and the mess and the pain and the ugliness that is this world that we find ourselves stuck in. And his answer to that is to send his own son, Jesus, to be born as a person, to live and to die and to rise again to give us life. That's the the only reason, Peter would say, that's that's what the angels were talking about. 
That, that's what the angels were announcing to these shepherds. They were saying, get down, like leave the sheep, get into town and find this child. Because this is the source of your inexpressible and glorious joy. It's got nothing to do with what's happening at Christmas. It's got everything to do with who is happening at Christmas. Does that difference make sense? We sing joy to the world because someone has arrived, because Christmas announces the arrival of someone who will give us new life. Not better circumstances here, but a new kind of life. Jesus himself says when he grows up, he says, it's like being born again. It's as if, it's as if you can be born, as if your whole life can start over again. You can be born again spiritually. You know, nothing sort of changes in the physical necessarily, but you are born again spiritually. You enter into a new life. A new life for now, and it's a life that lasts for eternity, even after you die. That's the real joy of the first Christmas. So as we come into this season, friends, let's not confuse the happiness of Christmas with the joy of the birth of the Saviour of the world. Let's not confuse the happiness that comes with time off work and a great meal with the family and some nice gifts. Let's not confuse that with the joy, the inexpressible and glorious joy that comes into us or that can come into us when we acknowledge and realise and have that, wow, the saviour of the world was born at Christmas. Let's embrace the joy that comes from the good news that the saviour of the world has been born, that the saviour of your world has been born. Because this just isn't an historical thing like, oh, something happened 2,000 years ago, there was a saviour. This is the announcement that your saviour, the saviour of your world has been born. Do you get that? The ups and the downs and the goods and the bads of your actual life in 2022. The saviour of that world and that life has been born. That's the reason that we sing Joy to the World. Mm -hmm.